listen, if you dare, to this Sundown 96.6 presentation. Turn down the lights and plug in your headphones as you are immersed in a spine-chilling realm of alien encounters, ghostly apparitions, hair-raising beasts, unidentified flying objects, and more. Welcome to the Cult Class Podcast. My name is Caitlin, and I'm an artist and paranormal enthusiast. I create art as cult.class on Instagram. I am joined by my husband, Nick. This podcast is your one-stop shop for scary stories, paranormal news, and movie reviews. Listen at your own risk. There may be consequences when meddling with forces beyond human understanding. You have been warned. couldn't believe there was so much of it. It was scattered over such a vast area. So we proceeded to pick up as much of the debris as we could, loaded in the wagon. We filled that up. It took us a good part of the day to do that, because uh, there's such small fragments that we had to do a lot of picking. We found a piece of metal uh, about a foot, a foot and a half to two feet wide and about, about two or three feet long. Felt like you had nothing in your hands. It wasn't any thicker than the foil out of a pack of cigarettes. But the, the thing about it that got me is that you couldn't even bend it. You couldn't bend dead it. Even with a sledgehammer, it would bounce off of it. So I knew that I had never seen anything like that before. And as of, as of now, I don't know what it was. It was not anything from this earth that I'm quite sure of. Because I was, being an intelligence officer, I was familiar with just about every, all materials used in aircraft and in our air travel. This was nothing like that. It could not be. It could not have been. Uh, my father had been called out to uh, investigate what I thought was an aircraft accident some distance from here on a ranch close by. And uh, he came back much later one evening, about uh, maybe 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, with a car full of debris, like metallic debris. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was very excited about it. He unloaded a good part of this debris into the house here, into the kitchen part. And he woke my mother and myself up to come look at this, because uh, he had no idea what this was. The material that it consisted of was more uh, foil-like, although it was a very strong, very tough material. Okay, this is episode 10 of season 2. Our last episode of the season. Yes, uh, so we are going to do this episode and then we're going to take a few weeks off. Um, and we wanted to get this episode out just in time for Halloween. Yes. Of course, because it's one of the best holidays. Spooky season. Uh, and also, Sundown 96.6, my radio station, is playing special Halloween programming all day on Halloween. So check that out. You can go to sundown966.com to listen, but it's like really fun. We have like a show for uh, trick-or-treating time and all kinds of stuff. So you can check that out. Um, also, what else is going on? I don't know. Oh, I was just going to uh, go on Sundown. It's the perfect soundtrack for Halloween Day. Just have it playing, play it on your phone, download the app. It's perfect. It is. It's really fun. And past Halloween, after Halloween... If you want to stay in a paranormal, spooky 
mood, it's also great. And we won't be playing just Halloween after after Halloween. So uh, check it out. And also my candy bars. Yes. My candy bars are available for only a few more days. Mm-hmm. If you order them now, they will be delivered by Christmas. So they're a perfect Christmas gift. Perfect. They are um, available on my website if you go to cultclassart.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's three different flavors. We talked about it in previous episodes, but it's uh, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, and cookies and cream. Can't beat and it. they come in a really cool box mm-hmm. and with my art on the bars. So Absolutely. check that out. Again, they're only available for a few more days. So if you want to order them, now is the time. So in the spirit of Halloween, Nick and I watched the new Sam and Colby investigations. And my cousin got us into Sam and Colby because she's a big fan and they're awesome. Um, They're big YouTubers, like big ghost hunting YouTubers. Right, right. Yeah. And so we've watched their Halloween special so far. This is like their Hell Week, whatever they call it. Yeah, like their Halloween special. And they went to... Oh, go ahead. No, yeah. They're at the Conjuring House. They're at the Conjuring House. And we've been to the Conjuring House. So it's like, I was really nervous to watch it because I, I don't know, the house is kind of creepy and... I just was like, mm, but I was like, I gotta be brave, and Nick was totally fine with watching it. I was the one who was afraid, <laughs> but so we watched it, and oh my goodness, what is that about? I don't. I I honestly have no clue. If so, for the people who don't know, yeah. there's these the couple that works there that can essentially talk to ghosts to ghosts. Like, like, or spirits. So what happens is Sam and Colby are these two guys, and they went to the Conjuring House to investigate. And these two employees at the Conjuring House were like, oh, we're always talking to spirits. Or yeah, yeah. Like, we have a, a way to talk to spirits. And, you know, you watch these ghost hunting shows, and you're like, oh, yay. Like, whatever. Maybe they uh, we use a Ouija board. Who knows? You know? Maybe they feel things. Maybe right. they're empathic. Right. So these two people that say they talk to spirits hold hands and all of a sudden, you hear all this banging all around, like, the room. It's the wildest thing. It's, like, so weird. Yeah, like, on walls, on ceilings, on floors. But it sounds like footsteps, kind of. It, it paired with it, yes. Yeah. and, like, knocking. And they, the girl will say the alphabet, so it's sort of Ouija boardy. Like, she'll say the alphabet, and then they'll knock for her to stop at certain letters. Like, the ghosts will knock. <laughs> yeah. And it is, like, the wildest thing. I honestly, like, gives me chills even talking about it. The wildest thing I've ever seen. I don't know how they could fake this, although I guess they could. I mean, I guess anything is possible. Of course, of course, yeah. And in in one of the episodes, they even, like, tried to debunk it a bunch of ways and couldn't do it. But I I don't know how they do it if they are fake. And they're, like, taking these messages from these ghosts and... They're these very personal messages. Like, people in the room are, like, start crying. They're like, yeah. how do you know my grandma's nickname and right. stuff like that? Right. And um, the, they very much remind me of Tyler, the celebrity medium. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he's really impressive mm. in mm. that world of, like, mediumship, I guess. Um, and they kind of have the same vibe where it's, like, these totally. nice messages that come by, mm-hmm. like, through from, you know, relatives that have passed away. Uh, but it is the wildest thing. Like, there is knocking going on all over the place. And they're like, oh, Sarah wants to say that she loves you or whatever. Like, My goodness. I don't know. If you guys don't watch Sam and Colby, um, this partic- and you're into ghost hunting, this particular episode, it's their new Conjuring House. It's the first episode of four. Um, check it out. Yeah, and it message is Message us and wild. let us know what you think. Please. I, I just, like... Nick and I have, like, since uh, been talking about it, and if I, like, start thinking about it too much, I'm like, oh, I don't know. This is, like, too <laughs> freaky. Which then always, like, leads me into are, like, ghosts and spirits and aliens and Bigfoots, like, all in the same camp. Behind the veil, maybe. Behind the veil, exactly. Because then we were watching Expedition Bigfoot, mm-hmm. which my dad is a big fan of. And they're using all this, like, technology that they use on, like, Skinwalker Ranch episodes, and they scan this being i just had it on while i was doing art and they scan this cave and they get this being on this lidar detector i don't quite understand what lidar is i'm not sure either yeah but they get this like shape of a bigfoot sitting on a rock 
and you're like, oh, okay, I don't even know what LIDAR is. Like, <laughs> you know, like, okay. like. But you can tell, like, the shape of it. Yeah, like, no, it looks like a Bigfoot, but you're like, I don't even know, like, what this technology is that they're using. So the guy goes back and just looks at the normal camera footage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the normal camera footage, there's, like, almost a bubble, like yeah. a see-through bubble. You've seen this. Yeah, where yeah. That moves transparently like through the screen where they suppose you know caught that bigfoot shape right yeah so and, through the naked eye there's nothing there right but but through, on camera yep yep you're seeing this like weird kind of wave of i don't know what it is it's like really weird energy man and right in the spot that they capture oh. this bigfoot and so they're convinced that these bigfoot like cloak themselves mm-hmm, essentially mm-hmm. but then i'm just like what's happening <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, these ghosts are knocking yeah. out of this thing. Yeah, they're finding Bigfoots. Bigfoots, and we're going to talk about aliens today. <laughs> it's just, you know. What spooky. is going on out there? Huh? What is going on? All of life's mysteries, right? Mm-hmm. So, today we don't have a listener story. We're just going to jump right into um, the episode because we have a few clips, like vintage clips. Yes. You just heard a vintage clip from Jesse and Marcel who gathered and... Um, like investigated the Roswell crash back in 1947. And then I got a couple other clips that I wanted to share with you guys. So uh, those will be the extra clips we have in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we're going to do movie clubs. So of course, let's jump into that. Without further ado. When the night falls, when the shadows become deep and black, the silent pall of evil settles on the earth. Who dares to search? Who dares to see what walks in the night? If you dare, welcome to Sundown 96.6 FM. Sundown966.com for more details and merch. <laughs> Welcome to the movie club. change our town slogan a great place to call home is confusing i suggest a great place to refer to as home we need a crosswalk on trent avenue between frost and allegheny and also oh my a ufo has crashed my backyard has taken out my azaleas and destroyed my birdbath When you talk like that, it makes them all take us less seriously. Did you just say UFO? What is that? Remember the spaceship? This is the little man who came out of it. He's got to be a secret. Don't tell anybody. Can't touch him. She shouldn't know. We got to trust her. There's nothing else we can do. You could kill her. Kill me. You can't kill me, I'll kill you. That's what I'll do. Guys, stop it. You think we can call him Jules? He's no Jules, he's more of a Gary. Your dad was in here earlier. He said he was buying apples for an alien. Like an illegal alien? Thank you for the picture. He hands them to me all the time. Maybe he's trying to tell you something. Dad, come on. I'm worried. What you have said has not been normal. I'm okay. How can you say that when you're buying apples for an alien? The government is searching for a security satellite that crashed. Any moment we waste is a moment they can discover him. You've seen the movies. You know what happens to these guys when they fall to Earth. We will break the sky wide open. Jules has come to mean quite a bit to us. It's about Dad buying apples for an alien. Us four hanging out together. We get along pretty well. 
We're so thankful for you. What the? This was such a cute movie. <laughs> I love this movie. It was like a like a feel good movie. It really was. It was. Oh my gosh! I just we pick out so many creepy movies for this, uh, you know, movie club. You know, on purpose, like paranormal <laughs> movies and aliens mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not often that you come across an alien movie that's like heartwarming, like so <laughs> heartwarming. It's so cute. And this alien was just like. The way they did it was so adorable. Yeah. And just the way it looked, the way it moved, the way it's it moved. mannerisms, uh-huh. it's lack of mannerisms, it's lack of speaking. Yeah. And it's just its eyes, like how they all were like, look at its eyes. You know, like it was so cute. And I like that it was, we do so many, we talk about this a lot. We talk about CGI, CGI, yeah. CGI a lot, but I like that it was just a person. Yes. Dressed me too. Up. Love that. Love that really liked that really appreciated that i liked the ufo it's just a classic ufo they didn't do anything like crazy with it mm-hmm. um, what about it being like the most trusting thing in the world ever everyone was just like dumping all of their <laughs> like just sitting on the couch with it and just like oh let me tell you about my day oh my gosh i love that i haven't <laughs> talked to my kid in year, you know like and the lady like sang when she was with yeah. it like she felt like comfortable <laughs> enough to sing and they uh, all clapped and, uh, and I turned to Nick while we were watching it, and I was like, I really think this is what people would do if you were just, like, quiet. Like, they, you know, they, you could tell they, like, got uncomfortable, and then they just, like, needed to, like, get so much out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Fill the quiet. Yeah. Um, so. I, I just thought it was so cute. Yeah, I did, too. I did, too. I thought a little zinger, though, was how, <laughs> when it started drawing all the cats, and then we learned yes. how it was, like, propelled through dead cats. Well, you said it first. You were like, I think it needs cats. Like, it wants cats. And yeah, yeah. I just thought, I mean, I didn't put that together. I don't know why. And, um, and yeah, that was like in when it made the guy's head explode. Oh, that was wild. <laughs> like, you were like, yeah, you're so cute. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah Same with wild. the dead cats, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. And I guess, like, maybe one point of this movie is like nobody's listening to these older people like it was so right. sad like even his daughter like doesn't come into the house he's like oh there's an alien here and stuff and she's like oh stop talking <laughs> you're taking up my time you're like and you know i'm too busy right and these older people like in the movie are like just make like alliances on their mm-hmm, own like mm-hmm. this little friendship group yeah the little trio so cute it's so cute and nobody listens to them enough to know that there's an actual alien living in the house just chalking it up to old people acting outrageous or acting something. crazy yeah. yeah not paying attention to them mm-hmm. and uh he has the ufo sitting in his backyard <laughs> and i love like his attitude because he's just so like whatever yeah it's just like this is what's happening this is my friend now kind of yeah he's like Oh, I don't know. There's this alien. It, it, I love what he says. It ruined my azaleas. <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's going to take a while to grow back. He says that to one of the so ladies. He's like, yeah, I think like six months or eight months. And she's like, that is not what I'm talking the about. The alien? Yeah, I'm talking about the alien in your backyard. <laughs> um, just a really cute movie. And all the actors were so good. So good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's like a classic feel-good movie with like a fun twist, you know, yeah. about being like kind of an alien movie. I love that it, we always joke about, like, you guys, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that we got our cat this year and stuff, and we've talked about how cats are, like, uh, totally on a planet of their own, like, totally <laughs> so their own thing. Uh, they definitely have their own personalities, and I love that cats were the ticket to his UFO, which is weird, <laughs> but it was so, like, cats and aliens. Yeah. Cats being associated with aliens right. is like so on point sort of. So funny. Because they're just such interesting creatures, <laughs> especially house cats. It was house cats. Right. Yes. You yes, know, it yes. wasn't like lion, you know, I mean, they wouldn't have lions in the Some suburbs kind of anyway, but cat. yeah. Yeah, totally. Just house cats are so funny. Um so I just I hope you guys liked it. That was just we, that was a blind pick. We Great hadn't pick. seen it. Yeah. Great pick. So, um that was Jules from 2023. What a fun movie. And I didn't even start it by saying that because I liked it so much I wanted to talk about it. But our movie club pick was Jules from 2023 uh, for last week. This week's movie club pick mm-hmm. is The Sixth Sense from Woo! 1999. What a classic. What a classic. Man. Man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, Nick was really excited about this pick. We. Um, it's a great one. I'm a big 
big M. Night Shyamalan fan, and this is like, I mean, maybe a perfect movie? It's a work of art. It's a work of art. Uh, absolutely, it's a work of art. And uh, if you've seen it, it's worth rewatching. We rewatched it recently. Um, I just, like, we wanted to pick something spooky, but we thought, like, picking John Carpenter's Halloween or something like that, it would be, for anybody who's listening after Halloween, it'd be a little too late. Yeah. And so we just wanted to keep the spook vibe going. Spook vibe going. You have these days that are really short. It gets dark really yeah. early. Toss on the sixth sense. Oh, gosh. Have yourself a good time. It's worth the rewatch. Um, so this week's movie club pick is The Sixth Sense from 1999. This week's scary story. This week's scary story is sort of a combination of stories. A compilation, if you will. A compilation of alien stories. And I wanted to stay in the Halloween spirit, but, you know, in true cult class fashion, we're going to talk about aliens yes. and UFOs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Nick was like, maybe witches? I was like, oh, maybe aliens. <laughs> I love Let's it. talk about aliens. So we're just going to talk a little bit about Roswell, and we're going to talk a little bit about Bob Lazar. And I can't believe we've, we haven't talked about Bob Lazar on this podcast. I think I've just been saving it for the right day, which is maybe today. Mm-hmm. But... I know people who have done podcasts about Bob Lazar that are hours and hours long. Yeah. So this will only be just a, a brief snippet of, 100%. of the information you can get involved with with Bob Lazar. Definitely. You can dive as, dive, you can dive as deep as you want in the subject, but I think we're going to provide you a nice little abbreviated. Yes. And Roswell, too. Portions. That's, yeah. another, that's another thing that there are documentaries, there's podcasts, there's so much information. Um, but we're just going to talk about the weird stuff with it all <laughs> and have a little fun with it. So we're going to talk about Roswell first. And for anybody who doesn't know about Roswell, Roswell is maybe the most famous UFO crash, supposedly, in United States history. And it happened in 1947 mm-hmm. near Roswell, New Mexico, on a ranch. So in the summer of 1947, uh, the U.S. Army Air Force sent out a press release announcing they'd recovered a flying disc from a ranch near Roswell. Now, that really happened. Yeah. That was a, a headline Real in the deal. news. Yeah. And then they basically immediately were like, actually, actually, no, no, no. <laughs> it's just an air, uh, a weather balloon. It's right. just a weather balloon. Yeah, just kidding. Um, we don't mean it. And the fact that they released it as a press release is that the Air Force released this as a press release is still to this day maybe the best evidence that it was not a weather balloon. Because they would know what a weather balloon is. A hundred percent. Or if it was, you know, testing new technology or something, you mm-hmm. know, like why they could have placed it on anything else. Uh, yeah, they could have said anything else. And yeah. a weather balloon is a circular, like, whatever Come balloon. On. Yeah. Like, it's not a flying disc. Like, they literally said a flying disc. Yeah. So... With that, there's been so many stories corroborating the crash of this disc. Um, so basically, the disc crashed on, let me get this right, uh, Mac Brazel was the rancher who found the wreckage, and it was on his property in Lincoln County, New Mexico. So it's not really like in Roswell. Uh, it's a little north, right? Yeah, it's about 75 miles north of Roswell. And then, so the Air Force sent lieutenants out to like, Colonels, lieutenants, whatever. Yeah, how high ranking military officers. High ranking military to go check it out. And this guy named Jesse Marcel was one of them. Mm -hmm. And he brought back some of the wreckage to his house. And that's the clip you heard in the beginning of this episode. So he's been interviewed since. His son has been interviewed. His son was there when he took the wreckage out. The famous photos of him holding wreckage that they now say is a weather balloon um, is probably what you associate with this crash. It's like a very famous photo. He's the guy holding the wreckage. Exactly. So it's interesting because Bob Lazar sort of plays into this too because we're going to talk about S4. Yes. And we're going to talk about there's a lot going on in the that part of the United States. Like Area 51 and New Mexico, Arizona area. So 
<clears throat> that just made me think. We're going to talk about S4 too, but um, this all became very top secret is what I'm getting at. So whatever the heck happened, it became very secret. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a weather balloon, it was all like hush-hush. And, and this is like back in the 40s. Like this is a long, long, long time ago mm-hmm. to where like cameras weren't at the as readily available as mm-hmm. they are now like word of mouth was the predominant way of like messaging maybe mm-hmm. you know yeah nobody was pulling out their iphone to record yeah, that's this what I'm saying yeah and um i wanted to talk about the secrecy of it because they claim that there were also bodies found with the wreckage and it's funny i pulled this clip of a nurse so supposedly this nurse told a mortician at the time that she like called him up all frazzled and talked about the bodies that they had found and she had examined them in a secret facility there somebody that I spoke to recently also told me that they know of a story of a nurse who wrote out her whole experience about finding these like examining bodies in a top secret facility in that part of the country uh, of aliens and she wrote it all out and when she passed away she gave it to her family and like it's a true story it's somebody Whoa. had just told me about this they wow. were like yeah like i i'm gonna try to get my hands on a story for you which i'm like oh i don't know kind of freaky. <laughs> yeah, don't be a target but with that in mind i found this clip incredible so we're gonna play this clip for you guys and this is the mortician guy his name is hang on glenn dennis and he claims that this nurse called him right after the Roswell crash, 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 and talked about how told these aliens looked. And she even drew it out and everything for him. So here we go. Glenn Dennis, who was employed as an undertaker, was asked by the base to provide coffins and ice for children. At the base, Dennis saw the remains of the UFO and met a nurse, an acquaintance of his, at the door of the local doctor's surgery. She said, uh, uh, you're in, get out of here, get out of here as fast as you can because you're in a lot of trouble. You will be in a lot of trouble. But in the, then she went on across, and in the meantime, she was having difficult breathing. Next morning, about 11 o'clock, she calls me and uh, said she had to talk to me. She said, we have to get together. Uh, she... Uh, Informed me that then this lady was still crying and she was she was still upset and her face was all the uh, scratched and her hair was messed up and everything that she said she hadn't slept all night and she was you know she didn't know what was going to happen. She said that in one crash bag there was two very mutilated small bodies and she explained that they had a. The hands were severed on one. The doctor would take a long forcep and turn it over. They explained that there was four fingers, very fragile. They had little pads on each end of the four fingers. And uh, the way the doctors described it, that it looked like there might be little minute suction cups in those pads. Then she explained to me that they had a very large head that were flexible like a newborn child. The eyes were very large. They did not have a bridge. The nose, the face was concave. They had two orifices. The mouth was only one inch. There was no teeth or tongue. They uh, did not have the ears, as we know. They had two ear canals, a double ear canal, not just one ear canal. Uh, So uh, what she did, the night before, she drew me a, a small diagram on the back of a prescription pad that she always kept in her uniform there. And she did the best she could on on, on the drawing of, of the head and the, the little arms and explaining to me what it was. She gave it to me and told me that uh, uh, she wanted me to have it, but that I would never reveal where I got it. I mean, that her name, she did not want to be involved anymore in this and all. And I gave her a sacred oath that I would not reveal her name. And uh, that was the last time I saw her. I called out the next day, and they said that she was transferred out that afternoon. 
they don't know where. About six weeks later, I get a, a letter from uh, England. About six weeks later, my letter came back, and down on the corner it said, Return to Center, and it had in the red letters, Deceased, and it was sent back to me. I mean, that's just, like, crazy. It's insane. And it's like, <laughs> it's will so we funny. ever really know what happened? No. I mean, I don't know. It's funny. If you search uh, Roswell, the first thing that, one of the first hits is the FBI website, actually. Mm. And, like, a whole record of what happened. I'm putting mm. quotes around that. Right. Um, but it is a rumor, or it is supposedly i don't want to say a theory or anything because there's like people who've come forward and said this happened uh that there were bodies that were also recovered just like they talked about and i can believe at the end of that he's like oh and the nurse was dead deceased came back like, deceased. What? what in the world i know so it's like it honestly just gives me chills. i know i know and i know halloween's about um witches and ghosts and goblins but if you want to think about things that go bump in the night mm. I don't know. <laughs> Just add that to your list because no it's kidding. pretty creepy. So, with that talked about, so that was Roswell. Now let's talk about Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. So, is he the real deal or what? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I, I uh, you know, it's really cool is I have a hand drawn, um, Nick knows this, a hand drawn. UFO drawing by Bob Lazar and signed by Bob Lazar Mm -hmm. and it's his sport model of UFO and this is one of the UFOs that he claims he worked on at S4 so I'm like a fan of Bob Lazar yeah for lack of a better word but you know it's it's like you never know people till you know them and so it's like I don't know this guy right so yeah I feel like he kind of falls in the same camp I mean here do you want to explain kind of a little bit of his background for people who may not know yeah I will. And I, I just want to say, like, I think he's one of the more credible witnesses that have ever come forward. 100%. That's what I do think about him. So on November 11th and November 13th in 1989, viewers of Class TV in Las Vegas, Nevada, heard an incredible story from news reporter George Knapp. A scientist had come forth to reveal that the U.S. government possesses the remains of extraterrestrial vehicles. From these vehicles have come extraordinary technological breakthroughs. A government physicist, Bob Lazar, said he had worked in the S-4 section, the formerly secret military base known as Area 51, a corner of the Nevada test site. There, he had read documents indicating the existence of ongoing research on an anti-gravity reactor for use in propulsion systems. He was astonished, he said, but he was even more shocked to be shown nine flying disks of extraterrestrial origin stored in a hangar. As part of the gravity harnessing propulsion, the craft used an element 115 unknown on Earth. Adding apparent credibility to Lazar's testimony were persistent reports, chronicled even in the respected Aviation Week and Space Technology, of bizarre lights over the test site craft maneuvering in ways beyond the capacity of known aviation technology. These reports are almost certainly genuine. To add even more credibility, in 2003, Element 115, a synthetic radioactive element, was discovered by Russian scientists. It was added to the periodic table in 2013. Another thing that Bob Lazar talked about way before there was ever a picture of it were these hand scanners. Yes. And that also came to be true. Mm -hmm. Like, they were leaked photos of these top-secret hand scanners. He indicated that they were used upon entry to the work area, but they were very unusual and, like, way ahead of their time. Yes. During that time. Right, correct. And so this is the 80s that we're talking about. So Element 115, they discovered in 2003. So there's credibility to Bob Lazar's stories because of these things that have like come out since. So it's it's kind of interesting because there's also there's also blips in his stories that people have you know and he was like arrested at one point and stuff and so people use that as like you know reasons why he might not be truthful. Right. He also had his laboratory raided. 
multiple times. Multiple times. By the FBI. Mm-hmm. And they said that they were claiming, they were looking for some something that's normal, but he claims that they were looking for that Element 115, mm-hmm. um, and that he was being targeted. Also, his original interview on TV was totally anonymous. He went by the name Dennis. Right. And it was very hard to find. It's, like, impossible to find the whole interview. It's, like, not on the internet. Yeah. Um, and then he came out after that as himself. But he claimed that he came out because he was in fear for his life. Exactly. That he knew too much, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also evidence that Bob Lazar is an expert in propulsion because he he there's like all kinds of videos and stuff of him working on like different engines and things like that he claimed to work at los alamos Mm -hmm. uh the company denied those claims the company denied those claims but he was like in a newsletter and stuff an employee directory uh, in the employee directory at the time Mm -hmm. so it's like he he claims to have all this education but when you look it up he has like it's it's not even that he has no education. It's like he's erased from. Mm-hmm. Like, his history is erased. Right, like, exactly. there's, like, nothing. So it's all, like, very odd. Yeah. Yeah, so this guy is either, like, an incredible hoaxer, mm-hmm. or he is being, like, taken down by the government. And targeted, or... Yeah, he's... It's so interesting. He really... Um, I mean, he'd be a really good hoaxer. But, I mean, some people really think he is. Yeah. And maybe he believes what he saw and then it's, like, been misconstrued. I don't know. I I don't know this guy. Yeah, I don't know him either. But I've seen in interviews, and you can can go and research it yourself also, he's stuck to the same story for Mm -hmm. all of these decades. And any monetary uh, gain that he's gotten from telling his story, he's donated it. So he mm-hmm. himself has never gained Is a dollar. Is now? Yeah. Oh. He has never gained a dollar from this notoriety, uh, you, you know, exclusively, mm-hmm. maybe as a byproduct of a business that he may have. But, like, telling this story, and it's only caused him a lot of trouble. Mm, you know, it's caused him a lot of trouble. It, honestly. And you, really, he wasn't even really in the forefront, I feel like, of people's mind until Jeremy Corbell's documentary about him. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's titled Bob Lazar and UFOs or something like that and it came out a few years ago Nick's looking it up um and that's really when Bob Lazar like I feel like then he was on Rogan and all these things Mm -hmm. and I would put him in the camp of like Travis Walton and these like people that is just really like wow I can't disprove that exactly exactly um but I did pull one of his original interviews so I've been enjoying sharing these vintage clips with you guys, so I thought we would end this episode with an interview from the 1980s with Bob Lazar. And did you... What's the name of the documentary? It's Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. It's a good documentary. It's by Jeremy Corbell, and if you're really into UFOs or you want to be, he's... uh, Jeremy Corbell is also a very uh, big, like, source of information right now. Yes. Um, But between the alien bodies at Roswell and... Bob Lazar and everybody seeing lights in the skies these days. Who knows what's going on? I don't. I don't. I don't know. It makes me. It makes me think. I. I. We go. You know, bow hunting. You guys know. Uh, we're out there in the dark in the woods, and I don't know. I don't like researching this stuff before I go out there. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say. So um, here is a interview with Bob Lazar from the 1980s, and. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank, what a great season. What a great way to close out season two. Season two. So be sure to watch Sixth Sense from 1999. Have a wonderful Halloween and listen to this interview right now. This week in our series of reports on UFOs, we've learned a number of things. That not everybody who sees a UFO is crazy. That our government has lied about UFO information. That it's withheld UFO files and even spied on UFO witnesses. We've also heard from scientists who say life elsewhere in the universe is virtually a certainty. And we heard that a majority of Americans believe that UFOs are real and come from space. Tonight, in part five of his report, George Knapp introduces us to a local man with an amazing and uh, disturbing story. George. Gary and Mary Ruth, uh, we've been working on this story for a long time. And we'll tell you right up front that it's going to be hard to swallow at first. 
This week, we've heard the contention of UFO researchers that there is a secret government within our government. While that may be hard to believe coming from the UFO perspective, we've certainly learned in Watergate and the Iran-Contra scandal that factions within our government can and do pursue their own hidden agendas outside of the law, outside the control of Congress, or the knowledge of the American people. This is exactly the type of operation we'll hear about tonight. It's a chilling scenario with worldwide implications that may have its roots right here. Area 51, that mysterious corner of the Nevada test site, is no longer much of a secret. The fact that secretive things go on here is a given, even to the Soviets, who make daily spy flights over the facility to take a peek at what's going on. These photos, never before shown in public, are about as close as anyone will ever come to seeing what the place looks like again. The dry bed of Groom Lake, corrugated metal buildings, a three-mile-long runway, and some highly sophisticated radar and detection equipment. It's been known by many names over the years, Dreamland, The Ranch, The Skunk Works. If ever there was a place to test a secret new technology, this is it. And that's exactly what's been done here for decades. Area 51 is where Francis Gary Powers and the other U-2 pilots were trained in the 50s, and where the U-2 itself was developed. The SR-71 spy planes that spotted Soviet missiles in Cuba in the early 60s were also developed at 51. 51 is where stealth technology was nurtured, where Star Wars devices are still tested, and where all manner of CIA monkey business has been plotted and refined. It's the perfect place for secret things, but of course, that's no secret. 51 is ringed by the forbidden vastness of the Nevada test site, by the looming Groom Mountains, and by sparsely populated desert expanses. The few people who do live out here have no love lost for the military, but... They're conservative, patriotic, and they mind their own business. You ever see stuff you can't explain? Sure. Lots of stuff. Care to elaborate? No. On any given night at the Rachel Bar and Grill, you might find three or four people who work at Area 51, there amid the flowing Budweiser's and cowboy hats. You might find them, but they aren't going to talk to you, not about the things they've seen over the mountains. A steady trickle of curiosity seekers flows through here, strangers drawn by strange stories of lights in the night sky. Their questions also go unanswered. No one who's worked at Dreamland has ever publicly acknowledged what so many people have suspected for years, that aliens technology is being tested in the Nevada desert. The speculation first surfaced in documents obtained by UFO researchers, documents about something called Project Aquarius. The documents allegedly prepared for an organization called MJ-12 state that a program to fly recovered alien spacecraft was established in 1972 and is continuing in Nevada. The National Security Agency has confirmed it does have a Project Aquarius, but denies it has anything to do with flying saucers. NSA will not say what Project Aquarius is. Speculation was heightened in 1984 when the Air Force seized nearly 90,000 acres around Groom Lake. The action was, by most accounts, illegal. During congressional hearings about the land grab, Congressman John Cyberling grilled the military about the legal authority used in the action and was told the authority was at a much, much higher level than the Air Force. Cyberling asked what authority is higher than the laws of the United States. The Air Force official said he could respond, but only in a closed briefing. In 1987, when the Air Force sought to renew its stranglehold on the Groom Range, news articles once again mentioned the talk about alien spacecraft, and subsequent articles in national magazines quoted unnamed sources about things of alien origin flying in Nevada, things that would make filmmaker George Lucas drool. Despite the speculation, no one who knew Area 51 from the inside ever talked publicly about the saucer stories. Well, there's several, uh, actually nine, uh, flying saucers, flying discs uh, that are out there of extraterrestrial origin. The live interview with the shadowy dentist drew international attention. Portions were broadcast by radio in six European countries and in a nationally televised TV special in Japan. Actually nine uh, flying saucers, flying discs. Despite numerous inquiries and feelers, Dennis has remained anonymous until now. 
His real name is Robert Lazar, a young scientist with eclectic interests. The choice of Dennis was an inside joke. He says that's the name of his superior at Groom Lake. It wasn't a joke to Dennis. He called right after and said, do you have any idea what we're going to do to you now? And I, I said, well, no. <laughs> he hung up the phone. Lazar's story is, by any standards, fantastic. He says he's telling it in order to protect himself. He says he was hired to work at an area called S-4, which is a few miles south of Groom Lake. At S-4, he says, are flying saucers, antimatter reactors, and other working examples of technology that is seemingly beyond human capabilities. Right, this, this came from somewhere else. I mean, as bizarre as that is to believe, but I mean, it's there, I saw it. I know what the current state of the art is and in, in physics, and it's, it can't be done. Checking out Lazar's credentials proved to be a difficult task. He says he earned degrees in physics and electronics, but the schools we contacted say they've never heard of him. He also said he worked as a physicist at Los Alamos National Lab, where he experimented with one of the world's largest particle beam accelerators, a half-mile-long behemoth capable of generating 700 million volts. Los Alamos officials told us they had no records of a Robert Lazar ever working there. They were either mistaken or were lying. A 1982 phone book from the lab lists Lazar right there among the other scientists and technicians. A 1982 clipping from the Los Alamos newspaper profiled Lazar and his interest in jet cars. It too mentioned his employment at the lab as a physicist. We called Los Alamos again. An exasperated official told us he still had no records on Lazar. EG&G, which is where Lazar says he was interviewed for the job at S4, also has no records. It's as if someone has made him disappear. Well, they're trying to make me a non-person. Explain. You called where? Well, the schools that I went to, the hospital that I was born at, uh, past job, and uh, essentially nothing comes up with my name in it. He smiles, but out of futility, knowing the whole thing must sound ridiculous. According to Lazar, his employer was the United States Navy. He says he and other government employees would gather near EG&G, fly to Groom Lake, and then a very few people would get into a bus with blacked out or no windows and drive to S4. When you get off the bus, what do you see? It's a very interesting building. It's got a slope of probably about 30 degrees, the, uh, which are hangar doors and it has textured paint on it, but it's, it looks like sand. It's made to look like the side of the mountain that it's in, whether it's to disguise it from satellite photographs or what. He says he was never told exactly what he'd be working on, but figured it had something to do with advanced propulsion. On his first day, he was told to read a series of briefings and immediately realized how advanced the propulsion was. The power source is an antimatter reactor. Uh, they run gravity amplifiers. There's actually two parts to the drive mechanism. Uh, it's just, it's a bizarre technology. There's no physical hookup between any of the systems in there. Uh, they use gravity as a wave using waveguides, almost like microwaves. It took a while, Lazar says, before he actually saw one of the flying disks. However, there were hints everywhere. Right, they had a poster, and it looked like a commercial poster almost, like it was lithographed and you could buy it at a Kmart or something. But they were all over the place, and they had the, the disk that I coined the term the sport model was lifted off the ground about three feet at, at uh, area S4 on the dry lake there, and uh, the catch on the bottom said they're here. And uh, those are just all over the place. Later, he got to see the real thing. When I was let in, it was the first time I saw the sport model in the hangar sitting down, and uh, I was told they could have walked me in the front door, but they purposely wanted to walk me by it. I was told not to say anything and just keep my eyes forward and, and walk past the disc into the office area. And I did, and uh, as we went by it, I just kind of stuck my hands on it <laughs> just to run it alongside the thing. And, uh, you know, I, that, that was about the smallest time. After that, I got to see it uh, actually lift off the ground and operate. But you, you also, in between that, you saw more than one. Yeah. The hangars are all connected together, and there are large bay doors between each one. And uh, there were nine total that I saw each one being different, like they had the uh, assortment pack. Security at S4 was oppressive, Lazar says, and his superiors used fear and intimidation almost as a brainwashing tool. It did everything but physically hurt me. Put a gun to your head? Yeah. And, and said what? what? Actually put a gun to your head? Well, they, it, they did that even in the, in the original security briefings. They had... Uh, uh, Guards there with M16s, and guys slamming their finger into my chest, screaming in my ear, some people pointing weapons at me. 
uh, like I said, it's not, a, it's not a good place to work. That fear factor would surface later. Lazar agreed to undergo a polygraph exam as part of this report. Polygrapher Ron Slay asked about the technology Lazar had seen. Did you knowingly lie when you said you had actually seen anti-gravity propulsion in operation? No. The results of this exam were inconclusive. Lazar appeared to be truthful on one test, deceitful on a second. Slay recommended that a second examiner be brought in. Polygrapher no, Terry Tavernetti runs a corporate security operation and is a former Los Angeles police officer. He put Lazar through four tests and concluded there was no attempt to deceive. And I left there thinking that uh, I feel we do have some credibility uh, to what uh, the subject had to say. Uh, and that's when I went to some of my colleagues. Tavernetti sent the test results to a third polygrapher who agreed the results appeared truthful. The charts were then sent to a fourth examiner who did not agree, suggesting Lazar might be relating information he'd learned from someone else. The polygraphers conferred and decided they would not issue a final statement on truthfulness until more specific testing can be conducted, and that's where it stands. Tavernetti believes that difficulty in determining Lazar's truthfulness stems from the fear that was drilled into him. I think we're talking about a subject here that is so far-reaching, uh, and it is so emotional, and when you're dealing with emotions, this is polygraph, because we're dealing in polygraph, you're looking at fear. The fear of getting caught telling a lie because something bad will happen to you if you do. Well, I am telling the truth. I, I, I've tried to prove that. Uh, what's going on up there could be the most important event in history. You're talking about contact, physical... <laughs> physical contact and proof of, uh, from another, another system, another planet, another intelligence. That's got to be the biggest event in history, period. And it's real. And it's real and it's there. And uh, I had a, an extremely small part in it, but I'm convinced that what I saw is absolute proof of that. There is, there is no way we could have created those systems. There's no way we could have made the disks, the power supplies, anything to go with them. Lazar says he has no intention of going on any UFO lecture circuit. He's not looking to do any additional interviews. In fact, he wasn't too crazy about doing this one. He did it after certain unfavorable things started happening in his life, and he did it because he feels that whoever is running the show up at S4 is perpetrating a fraud on the American people and on the scientific community. We intend to have much more about this story, about the operation up there on Monday and beyond. This is by no means the end of this series of reports. In fact, on Monday, including in our story there, support testimony from other people who say they have knowledge of the flying disks at the test site and information from people who know Lazar very well and insist his story is true. If indeed they have these flying saucers, George, it seems like it would be really hard to keep it so secret. Well, uh, yeah, it would, it would seem that way, except for as Lazar asked his uh, superiors up there, they say it's the easiest secret in the world to keep. It's leaked out many times before and nobody oh, believes it. What, what's the Navy saying about all of this? Well, of course, the Navy is supposed to have been his, his employer, and we have put some fairly pointed question to, questions to them. Of course, number one, it may not be the Navy at all. Information is so compartmentalized up there, no one is exactly sure who is in charge. We have uh, put the questions to several Navy departments. The answers thus far have been unsatisfactory. We've applied for more information through the Freedom of Information Act, and that information uh, will be revealed on Monday as well. You believe his story, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've, I've got to know him uh, pretty well over the last couple of months, and uh, I believe he's telling the truth. Fascinating stuff. Thank Thanks, you, George. Thanks, George. This has been a Sundown 96.6 FM production.